Hello everyone, in this episode of CBR Saga, we're gonna get wild, we're gonna get a little crazy and talk about some bold Phase 5 predictions that we think could happen. Yes, we haven't seen any of Phase 4 yet, but we're already looking beyond that to the next, next chapter. Could Mr. Fantastic lead the Avengers? Could Spider-Man team up with Blade? Are the Guardians of the Galaxy on a collision course with even more tragedy? All that and more will be discussed today. It's going to be a big episode, so let's get started. I am joined today by my good friend, Nick. Nick, how you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jacoby. Uh, thank you for having me back once again. Very excited to be here. We're talking about the future. We're talking about big things happening down the line because phase four is here. But let's look even beyond that because that's what people love to do, looking beyond uh, what we already know. And there's a lot of phase five that we don't know yet because there's a lot of different directions that they think could go. And uh, we kind of came up today with some really fun phase five theories. Um, and the first one that I kind of want to talk about is centered around Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. I think Mr. Fantastic is a great character. He is um, going to be destined for big things in the MCU. And I think in phase five, he is going to lead the Avengers. Nick, plausible or implausible? Absolutely plausible. You're talking about a guy that has done what you're talking about for years uh, in the comics. He's led uh, multiple teams. He's been part of the Marvel's Illuminati group. Um, and he's led his own team, the Fantastic Four, for years. So so I could absolutely see if you bring in a person like Reed Richards, who's supposed to be one of the smartest people in the universe, uh, of course he's worthy of leading a, a team like the Avengers. Th then he has like he has like two teams to lead. Like that's kind of fun, right? Like he has like his, you know, his Fantastic Four. And then he's like, hold on, guys. Like I actually got to go lead this bigger team for a second. You know, BRB. Um, I got to I gotta go deal with some stuff. That's, that'd be a cool dichotomy to have. Uh, I think it'd be awesome if like, well, one, you could do them at the same time, short, or I think it'd be cooler. There's there's precedent in, in the comics and whatnot. Spider-Man has joined the Fantastic Four before. I don't know for sure about any other characters, but how cool would it be to set up the Fantastic Four and for them to be like, Reed, we need you to lead the Avengers, and he goes to lead the Avengers, and then like Sue or, or Ben gets to lead the Fantastic Four with mm -hmm. an additional fourth person, maybe someone we know, maybe someone like Shuri, maybe someone like Spider-Man, maybe someone like Nova. Uh, these, these are the... Ooh things that get me excited so if if we kind of play with the idea that mr fantastic does become the leader of of the avengers in phase five i imagine phase five is when we're going to get a fantastic four solo movie right i mean like i feel like that just has to happen do you agree i, I would think uh, unless they they pull a pull a thing where because if you remember when they when they first released phase three there was no spider-man movie on it and then they just sort of plopped a, a spider-man movie in, in a random date uh, in the middle of the summer and it was great and we all loved it so unless they do the same sort of thing with phase four where or maybe they tease the fantastic four in a movie that we weren't expecting and then they're like by the way next year there's a fantastic four movie coming out uh i think phase five is the absolute latest because they're definitely going to want to want to get that out for us because and that would make sense what you're saying about the tease because we have uh ant-man and the wasp two or ant-man three or however you want to however you want to number those which reportedly king the conqueror right who has very close ties with you know reed richards and the fantastic four overall that could be the tease that we get now maybe if it's received well fantastic four movie because the mcu says why not or a fantastic four movie in phase five that kind of sets up this this family of this threat whenever we do get the fantastic four movie uh what do you think would prove that he would be 
uh, I guess, worthy enough to lead the team. Because, like, in my mind, obviously Galactus is a huge threat and it's a huge Fantastic Four villain. Um, but if, if, and regulating him to just one movie is kind of a waste. But if you have Fantastic Four face Galactus in their first movie and make it good, then that kind of proves that, yeah, this guy should lead the team, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you balance that? Is there another way that you would go about proving that he's the leader? Ooh, I mean, having him, having Galactus be the first first villain of a Fantastic Four face uh, worries me a little bit just because it's kind of like, where do you go from there? Yeah. I, I feel similarly about Doctor Doom, but you're right. You do have to sort of uh, give us a villain with at least enough presence that Reed Richards leading the Fantastic Four to take out this villain uh, really proves himself uh, to the rest of the people in, in the MCU because uh, you're going to have new leaders of the Avengers. You might get like a Shuri, you might get a Black Panther, you might get a Doctor Strange now leading the Avengers. And these are characters with incredible levels of intellect, incredible levers, levels of leadership. Uh, so I agree. <laughs> the first villain that comes to my mind, uh, and you would have to, you'd have to really tweak him, but is Mole Man. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I think it'd be really cool to set up Mole Man as this person whose whose work underground is actually causing seismic activity to, on such a level that it would destroy the Earth. Uh, so Mole Man not being the threat of a Galactus uh, or a Doctor Doom, so to speak, but starting off with him could really prove, uh, it, you know, just not not him being the threat, but what he's doing could destroy the Earth. <laughs> Having Reed save the Earth would definitely be a way to prove that. I like your bypassing the fact that so so the fact that he saves the Earth from someone who's being you know threatened to destroy it from within it's like that's pretty cool. But if he has to tell people like, hey guys, I just beat this guy named Mole Man, and uh, he was like a, he was he was big problem guys, so I should lead this team. Um, that, that probably wouldn't go over very well. Well, just they probably just won't. They'll leave the name out, and they'll be like, what happened? Bad like, stuff oh, I didn't even know. It was just it was weird. It was a really bad guy. Trust me. Yeah, trust just trust me on that one. <laughs> All right, so I think Fantastic, uh, I think Mr. Fantastic, you know, now I want him to fight Mole Man, and I don't even care where that leads. If he leaves the Avengers or not, I just want him to fight Mole Man. Um, but let's, I guess, you kind of mentioned Spider-Man a little bit earlier when you were talking about him, so I kind of want to move on to what, where I think Spider-Man could go in Phase 5. Um, Spider-Man is, is like a mess, I think, with his rights right now, and who knows what's going to happen, you know, next few years even, like as like next few days, we don't even know anything could happen to spider-man but it seems like spider-man is positioned to operate within the multiverse pretty well because they've, they'll want him in the sony-verse and they'll want him in the mcu so i think phase five they should team him up with somebody who you know could also operate on both the mcu and the sony-verse and that person is blade yes i am pitching a spider-man blade team-up movie yeah that could happen <laughs> Uh, yeah, it could happen. As um, one of my favorite movies, uh, Angels in the Outfield, as, as the little kid said, it could happen. <laughs> um, actually, I actually really don't hate it. I really don't hate the idea. And I actually think they might be a step ahead of us because um, I don't know if I like what they're doing in the sense that like Venom is going to be a part of the MCU. Uh, I'm, I'm air quoting, but you can't see it. But the MCU, so to speak. <laughs> um, and there's a movie coming out called Morbius. Yeah. Uh, Morbius is his name is the living vampire. Um, yep. And we already know that Michael Keaton's vulture is going to show up. So it, it almost proves that uh, if not a multiverse, it's the same universe as uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Now, I think it'd be really cool that in this Morbius movie, uh, you sort of set up Morbius as this. Uh, there are vampires. Vampires exist and Morbius is the most powerful amongst them. 
and for and Spider-Man has to take down Morbius all on his own. But at the end of Morbius, you get a tease that there's actually uh, a person who was whose mother was bitten by a vampire while he was in the womb, and he's known as the Daywalker. So I think you could get that set up. What well, you're pitching, it sounds ridiculous on its face, but I think it might already be set up. See, this is why I like you. I'll just pitch a random idea, a wild, crazy idea, then you'll find a way to ground it in reality. So Because <laughs> that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. They have a Blade actor cast. Mahershala Ali is, is Blade. So if you lay the seeds in Morbius, which is the perfect place to do it, I think that does set up an interesting you know, future for the character. Plus, I just want to see that, that um, dynamic, I think, of just between someone who is like Blade and someone like Spider-Man, because that's a pairing that we haven't really seen in the MCU and one you would never expect. I, I agree. As far as the MCU goes, um, there's little... Think, there's little more the MCU can do to surprise its own characters. One thing I think that could work is Tom Holland, or, or I'm sorry, Peter Parker, played by Tom Holland, a 16-year-old kid realizing that his childhood nightmare of vampires exist and having to team up with one uh, in the form of Mahershala Ali's Blade. Oh, sold. So much so. See, again, you did it again. That would be, I could have just imagined his fear and his terror of actually being, because then at that stage, we're going to get a Spider-Man who has really become his hero, right? Like his, after that stage, he'll grow into kind of the man and the leader that maybe he's on his way to become. And then he has to backslide by has to face like his biggest fear, which is vampires and actually test everything that he's learned so far up to that point. Yeah. Sold. <laughs> Absolutely. What happens if Spider-Man uh, gets bit by a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> that's a fantastic question my friend um a super vampire i don't, I don't, I don't know like an even more super vampire oh man i don't <laughs> i don't even know could, could spider-man like turn evil could being bitten by a vampire sort of turn turn him evil and and then uh blade and with maybe some help from another avenger or something like that have to reel back in spider-man i'm just waiting for for um because i think the next coolest place we could go is taking these established characters maybe a spider-man maybe a hulk maybe a thor and making them the threat of the movie, the villain of the movie. Um, yes. and, and these new heroes who are being set up, maybe a Shang-Chi, maybe a Blade, are the ones who have to stop them. Yeah, I, I've been I've been a proponent of that for a very long time. It just it always just seems like the MCU won't ever do anything to tarnish their characters in that way. Like they don't want to take that risk, which I think is a big shame, but I hope they I hope they do that. Phase five is the place to do that. <laughs> very true. All right, uh, let's move on to kind of the next big, uh, the phase five thing. This one might be a little less crazy because we're just going to talk a little bit about the Guardians of the Galaxy um, and, and where they're at. They're, we left them in a very interesting spot, both behind the scenes and uh, in, in front of the scenes. Behind the scenes, of course, James Gunn was fired. Looked like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was in limbo. Uh, he was rehired, and now his movie is, is going to be... Most likely, Phase 5. And it's going to be the trilogy ender for Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think a lot could happen in this trilogy ender. Um, if, if there was a big shakeup in the team, it would happen here. Are you like, What are your thoughts of Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Well, first of all, the, the behind-the-scenes things you're talking about are crazier than what has happened in the movies <laughs> yeah. uh, in many ways. So yes, now that we have established there will be a Guardians 3 directed by James Gunn, uh, I'm very excited for that. As far as where I want to see them go, I, I do agree, I think... It's time for maybe there to be a death, uh, another death in the MCU that has effects, that has weight. Um, maybe they could set up Drax to be a better character and become, honestly, like best friends with Peter. And in Guardians 3, Drax dies. And we see the awful effects that has on Peter. But like in my mind, I like what you're saying about 
a death. And I say, I like you. <laughs> I want somebody to die. Um, <laughs> it's not really what I'm saying, but I'm just saying, I think that would, that would be fitting kind of for like the story of what the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of represents, which is this, this team of just of ragtag heroes that, that sometimes lose, you know, like they, they could lose, they could lose members. They could, they could fail at times and they, and they, but they can build back. So if you kind of run through that list, cause I, I feel like the thing finding Gamora and reuniting her with Peter, I don't think, I think Peter and Gamora are safe. If anything, I would be like, if them finding Gamora kind of triggers this we should retire from the space outlaw life and live a life together or 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 do our own special thing so i think those two are safe groot is not going to die again so i do think it's going to be drax but i could also see the case that rocket be the one to bite the dust i like the um the rumors like like a year ago there was like a, a like some leaked guardians of the galaxy volume three rumors where it was like drax's you know family was going to come into come into play um and rocket was going to discover his origins a little bit more if if drax's family's in play then I, w- I would rather have drax have a happy ending and i would think it would be fitting for rocket's character to end up sacrificing himself for the team again because when you once you once you when that franchise started, he was the last character to do something like that. So if he was willing to give up his life to save his friends, I think that would be a great bookend to the character. And it really hurt. Ah, but who <laughs> would it hurt more for you if Drax died than Rocket died? Who would who would sting the most? Who would who uh, would rip your heart out? At the moment, it, it would not hurt as much if Drax died. They have they have to do a lot more with this character to sort of make me care about something like that right now. Yeah, I, However, I agree. Because oh oh sorry <laughs> I was just gonna say I didn't know you were pausing for dramatic effect oh it was so it was it was about to be very dramatic because uh, okay. here's the point I'm gonna lay on you okay if there's one thing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two did uh, I didn't love that movie but if there's one thing it did it showed us that the Guardians are a family and it made us believe that so much so to the point when uh, in Avengers Endgame Nebula shows up and Rocket has just realized that his family is gone Peter Mantis Drax Gamora they're all gone. Uh, you can see that heartbreak in his face. Um, so the fact that Rocket has known what it's like to lose his whole family uh, would put so much more emotional weight behind the idea of him sort of sacrificing himself to save them. And the other thing Guardians 2 did, it showed us how Yondu and Rocket are literally mirror images of each other. And what's the last thing Yondu did? He sacrificed himself for the one person he loved in his life. No matter how much of a jerk he was the rest of his life, he was redeemed. So what you just pitched to me is literally the mirror image of Yondu's end, which they have already set up again, Jacoby. <laughs> yeah, but and and but that I was thinking about that. And the problem with that is like, is that too much of the same thing? We literally would just see the same exact character beats that Yondu did in volume two with Rocket in, in volume three. Is that treading water a little bit? Um, maybe. However, we're talking about a long time from now because... Um, that that arc you just talked about, we just saw with Tony Stark, with with Iron Man. He just did that in Endgame. That's he true. sacrificed himself for the greater good. So the act itself, if it were to happen movie after movie after movie, I agree it might get old. But I think if we're talking about a phase five movie here, we got a lot of time to build up um, and, and shape Rocket as a character more. I agree. I heard those rumors as well. And I am actually really excited to get for Rocket to get more of his backstory, because I think that would complete him as a character and make his send off. Uh, even more meaningful to us. Oh man, we're gonna, no matter what though, it sounds like we're going to be in for a tearjerker in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 whenever it comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's kind of move on to our last point here. Talk about a character who I think is uh, can be set up for big things in the MCU um, if done right. I think it's Captain Marvel. Um, Captain Marvel's movie was good. Um, it wasn't a game changer, but it just proved how powerful that she is. 
um, and how important it's of a character that she, that she is overall to the MCU going forward. Um, so it's, you kind of have to think of what Phase Five could do with her in order to, to solidify her just uh, her awesomeness, like really like like the befitting of her powers. And I think something that that could work really well, in my opinion, is that if she forms a new Space Avengers team. Like picture this, like uh, Nick Fury has his sword organization up and running and he works in tandem with both an Earth-based Avengers and a space-based Avengers. And, um, you know, behind the scenes that works because then you can have Earth movies and space movies and not worry about them overreacting. From a logic standpoint, it makes sense to have you know, different teams elsewhere. And I think Captain Marvel is literally the perfect person to form this space Avengers and, you know, establish her own team um, of cosmic MCU heroes to fight cosmic bad guys. Uh, that's what I want to see with her character. Do you agree or do you want to see her go a different way? Uh, I, I agree. And I think it's plausible because this is kind of what she's been doing already. The reason, and I don't love the, the the writing necessity to do this, but the reason she wasn't in Endgame a whole lot is there's a whole lot of other planets and the same thing that's happening on Earth is happening there. So yeah. I'm covering a lot of ground. That's a line from Avengers Endgame that Carol Danvers gives. She's already been sort of policing the rest of the universe, helping out those who in need who are not based on Earth. So so the motive is there. It's absolutely there. I, I didn't love the Captain Marvel movie. It's it's not one of my favorites. And, and the reason being, I love how awesome she is. The powers are, are very cool, but they they pose a very serious problem is in the fact that she's kind of unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, since she's shown up, they have to they have to write her out because if she's there, she can just win. Beat so everything I think, instantly. Yeah, I, I think something needs to happen that depowers her a little bit. I don't know what it is. I don't know how well you would do it, but you're pitching this team to me and it sounds awesome, but I have to sit here and be like, why does she need a team? She, she took out Thanos on her own, basically. Okay. <laughs> she just I, yeah, plowed she did. through yeah. a ship. Let's let's spitball some things. So like say because in the comics there's there's kind of that arc the uh, the old man cap where he loses his powers and he becomes kind of like a leader of Shield because they're not going to do that with Captain America now. What if they do that in some semblance with Carol, where something happens where they strip her of her powers and she has to prove that she isn't just this hero based off how strong she is, that she has to actually lead the team like she once was a part of in Captain Marvel, um and and have her own space adventures, huh? Huh? <laughs> I like it. I just uh, want your approval, Nick. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, approved. However, <laughs> uh, I, I have another idea. Okay. Uh, I believe the last uh, video we were in together, we talked a lot about the X-Men. Hmm. There's a, a certain X-Men who has existed. She, she's already been in plenty of the movies. Her name is Rogue. Correct. Someone out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the comics, Rogue can fly. Yeah. Uh, Rogue has superpowers. And the reason Rogue has these powers is because she once held on to Captain Marvel for so long that some of Captain Marvel's powers got permanently imbued in her. So if we find a way to introduce maybe not the X-Men, but a character called Rogue who has these abilities and then later reveals she's one of the X-Men, uh, that's a good way to sort of maybe cut her powers in half. Like Captain Marvel has this interaction with Rogue. Uh, Rogue now has superpowers and Captain Marvel's like at half the strength. And now she needs to form this team because there's a threat that she can't handle on her own anymore. That is brilliant because that not only solves kind of the problem that we're talking about, but it leads to something epic with with the X-Men and it does so in kind of a natural way and not that's much better. I've just on a scribbled on a piece of paper here like maybe she gets hit in the head really hard and she loses her powers. So um, I like yours. I like, I'm going to I'm going to scratch out this idea and, and I like yours instead. Can Go I ahead. pitch a, a member uh, to be on Captain Marvel's uh, space squad? So to please, speak? please do. OK, uh, I love the movie Thor Ragnarok. However, if I was to change one thing about Thor Ragnarok, I would change 
the post credit scene, not the very end with Jeff Goldblum, but I would. But, <laughs> but you I would don't change. want to touch that. That's gold. No, that that is cinematic gold. We don't touch that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but the one where sort of Thanos's ship appears and and Loki and Thor are are like, oh my gosh, who's that? And then we cut. Uh, I don't think we need that scene. I think Endgame starts out well enough, and we know what's going on. I think a better scene is we cut to Glenn Close and John C. Riley as Nova Prime and Denarian Day uh, from Xandar from the first. Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Uh, because there's a line in Avengers Infinity War. Thor says he got the Power Stone last week when he decimated Xandar. Now, Mm -hmm. we don't need to see the decimation of Xandar, but in the sky, we see Thanos' ship. And then that's the that's the post credit scene I wanted Uh, was setting up that Thanos was going to get the Power Stone. The reason I bring this up is because I would like the first person on Captain Marvel's team to be none other than Nova. Gotta be Nova. And I want Nova to be the last survivor from the planet Xandar the last surviving member of the Nova Corps uh, and the opening of the next Captain Marvel movie uh, or whatever movie we introduce Nova in is a flashback to Thanos's attack on Xandar. We see uh, the the Chitauri attacking. We see the Outriders attacking uh, Xandar and Nova is the last sole survivor. And then he has to go off on his own and eventually he finds Captain Marvel. That is a good start. Uh, That's two. Two makes a team. Uh, Plenty of room for more. If I had the time stone, I would go back in time and I would and I would alter that that scene just for you. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Um, I think we should wrap up here. We could talk a lot about uh, phase five because a lot of crazy stuff's going to happen and it's, it's fun to speculate on. But I would like to thank you so much, Nick, for all your wonderful ideas. You bring such a fun energy to this. So thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to CBR Saga. We'll be back next time with another awesome episode. Leave us a comment if you want uh, about what other topics you want us to talk about or what your thoughts about phase five are. So again, I'm Jacoby. Nick, you want to say goodbye? I will. Uh, bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jacoby. No problem. And see you all next time.